When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, I'm Nick. Welcome to the Profoundly Pointless Podcast. If you are a regular listener, you will immediately notice that my voice is a little bit different. That's because I'm sick, and I'm I'm really okay with it, to be honest, because it's nice not to sound like a 13-year-old in the first stages of puberty for once. But here's a quick look at what's coming up on the show. As we look back on our childhood, what are we going to remember? Our best, our fondest memories, and many of those when we were playing with that particular toy, with that uh, magic eight ball. So basically you're saying we've all been playing Monopoly the wrong way. (laughs) Not everybody, no. (laughs) Just you. Give me your opinion on if this is worthy of getting in. Okay. (laughs) Hungry, hungry hippos. Um, Worthy, yes. I'm I'm a turkey. You gotta let me run the farm. You gotta let me live free or die hard, like Bruce Willis did. What animal do you think runs the farm? Because I don't think it's the turkey. Come live in twenty degree weather for. You're not living in twenty degree weather. It's sixty eight inside your house. But it all has to deal with the outside temperature. But is it sixty eight degrees in your house right now? Yes. If it was sixty eight degrees outside, you wouldn't have on two pairs of pants and three shirts. But it doesn't. But some rooms are colder than others. They're not that cold. It's not like one room is 68 and the next room is Antarctic. I want to thank you guys so much for listening. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, and share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. Coming up this episode, we're going to be doing one of our holiday and New Year's Eve themed shows. We're probably going to do a couple of these over the next month. We've got a guest from the Strong Museum, which is where the Toy Hall of Fame is. And let me tell you right now, You do not yet realize how much you care about this conversation because the more I talked to our guest, the more fired up I got about different toys and remembered playing with them and it ended up being a really cool experience. I want to start off though by saying that recently we got reviewed by the podcast review show and it was really tough for me to listen to the review. I was really nervous and I was anxious about it. The review came out last week. It took me about eight days to finally listen to it. And when I did finally listen to it, I had to put it on really low volume, walk across the room, and then start playing it so I could just barely hear it and kind of tune in and tune out. And it took me about 20 minutes before I was finally able to get up all the courage to really sit down and listen to it. And I bring this up because I think it's really important to do the hard thing. We got good reviews, but they also said some critiques that I think we're really good and can really help the show get better. And I think that our current society makes it so easy, at least for me, that I've started doing the easy thing, just taking the, the simplest way out all the time. And going through this, even though it's a little thing in the, in, in the long run, it just reminded me that doing the hard thing is what really is, is that's where, that's what's really rewarding. So if you're ever in this situation where you don't think that you have the strength to do something difficult, just know that it's going to be worth it. Now let's get to our first guest. This is Nicholas Ricketts. He's with the Strong Museum of Play, and he's a curator of the Toy Hall of Fame. How long have you been at the museum? Well, I've actually been here 28 years. 
Wow. How'd you get started? I was kind of a museum nerd. And I did internships at museums when I was an undergraduate, and uh, I really liked them. Was able to do graduate school while employed here, and was hired as a curator right after that. So your background is more museums? Did, did, did you have a um, kind of a strong love of toys as well? Yeah, yeah. Uh, of games in particular. Uh, one of my specialties, too, was sort of uh, anything made of paper. And since a lot of games are paper-based, that helped set me up with that. But yeah, I come from a long family of game players. Uh, in this part of the country, the game Euchre is very popular. And um, I mean, I think a lot of people feel really strongly about um, board games and card games. Do you think that's kind of um, just from from people's youth, or do you think it's something about them? It's both. It's both of those things. Um, there's a bonding uh, about them, for sure. Like, there's few better ways to get to know your friends. It sort of increases verbalization. It increases socialization so so growing up which which board game was your favorite well monopoly was right up there because that was one that if we were on a big camping trip with like extended family and it rained um we would break that out what's what's oh, this boy. what's this thing i read uh, the other day that like people play monopoly the wrong way oh yeah i think what they're talking about is there's a, a rule where if you, you land, and most people don't bother to read this rule. If you land on a property and you don't want to buy it, the other players can bid on it, like it, in an, it, like it in an auction, and end up with it uh, on your turn. I believe is how that works. See, I didn't know but, that. I thought that you always no. had to land on it. Yep. What it means is that if you play according to that rule, Monopoly will go a lot faster. And if you ever look at some of the Monopoly tournaments, uh, the games go pretty fast because they're all playing by that rule. So basically you're saying we've all been playing Monopoly the wrong way. (laughs) Not everybody, no. (laughs) Just you. (laughs) You You started working there, obviously. And how how have games, do you think, how have they changed over that 28 years? There's so many more games now that are more complicated. I would, influenced by like Euro games, like Settlers of Catan is the one that comes to mind. But that's been a big growing phenomenon in like the last 15, 20 years. Uh, not only that, but there's also a lot more games because it's easy to get, if you got a good idea for a game, you um, go to a crowdsourcing page and a lot of new games, you know, are funded that way, like through GoFundMe or something like that. So that games like Exploding Kittens, the card game, Cards Against Humanity, you've probably heard of that. Uh, those were all uh, crowdsourced. Do you think that things are getting better or worse, or do you think that they're just changing? I think they're just changing. Um I mean, if gaming is good for society, then they're getting better. But people have been playing video games, too, and everybody thought, oh, video games are going to spell the end of of board games and traditional table games. And that didn't happen. It, it has not happened at all. They are kind of living happily together in the world. I guess I looked at kind of the Toy Hall of Fame a little bit, and they seem more yep. traditional kind of toys, like jacks and the stick and boxes now it it seems like a lot of people are playing video games and stuff like that is that just an evolution or do you think that we've lost that kind of hands-on part of it i don't think we've lost it uh those games are just as valid for different reasons as the sort of classic uh games one video game platform the atari 2600 did get into the toy hall of fame and that's partly because it was so innovative um that's one of the extra of extra criteria for if a game is really innovative and unique um it can get into the toy hall of fame if it changes the nature of play 
and the Atari 2600 does because it was the first home console, I believe, that sold so much that it really changed the way a majority of people could play. So, I, I mean, I think, I think there's room for uh, traditional table games and video games. How do you evaluate, like, what makes a good toy? There are certain criteria that the toy has to meet. And um, we begin our evaluation by reviewing all the nominations that come, come in over the course of a year. You know, we get nominations online and in person here at the museum. Usually at least 2,000 are nominated. So somebody tabulates those all and puts them into a table, and we review them, and um, we boil it down to a lesser, much smaller list, you know, based on how many votes they get, how many times they've been nominated. Then that goes out to our national, well, our international um, Toy Hall of Fame Advisory Committee, and that's made up of scholars, teachers, toy experts, play experts, people like that. And they all weigh in with, like, I think they're three favorites. And, um, you know, they can give reasons. They can write a little essay. This is why I choose this, because it was so important for this reason. You know, anything like They can do whatever they want. But basically, they pick three favorites. And then it comes back to us, and we tabulate it again. Why do you think that people have such a strong connection to toys? Why are they important? important for society? Well, I think part of it is, as you mentioned, it's something that you remember fondly as a child. Um, One of the reasons that we study play here at the museum is because the, the way I think about it in simple terms, if you're having fun when you're learning something, you're going to remember it better. So playful, when you play as a child, you're making good memories. As we look back on our childhood, what are we going to remember? Our best, our fondest memories, and many of those will be when we were having a good time, when we were playing with that particular toy, with that uh, magic eight ball, uh, when when we all laughed when Uncle Joe lost the Monopoly game, you know, so bad, whatever. I do remember a time playing Monopoly with my dad. And I had all the red properties, the yellow properties, and the green properties, and just crushed uh-huh. him. Just crushed yeah. him. Uh-huh. See, that's the American way with Monopoly. <laughs> what do you think about, so I have a two-year-old son now, and about to have another one. And Great. something that I worry about a lot is now you see some people who are five, six, seven, you know, younger, and they just seem glued to the screens. Does that worry you guys, does that worry you, or do you think that people will grow out of that? It doesn't worry us, because I think we basically think that it's sort of everything in moderation, and you as a parent, I'm sure, will moderate that. You're going to be like, well, you know, it's one hour of screen time for you, and then we're going to do something else. Um, it, it doesn't worry us, because we see the value in in it but we also understand that it has to be moderated because uh so many of these things are meant to be um sort of addicting if you know what i mean yeah and for a young mind that can be even even worse do you think that people ever really grow out of out of toys no not really uh if you uh speak to serious gamers um Many adults carry um, game night, you know, um, oh, this is my poker club, right? Yeah. My bridge club. Um, I, uh, we're going to, we have, a, I belong to a bowling league. I mean, there you go. No, people never grow out of it. And they shouldn't because it is healthy. When you look at some of the different toys, is simpler better? <sighs> yes. I'm going to say that it is because... With a simple toy, I'm going to pick one of the simplest, the ball. Think of how much you can do with that. The simpler it is, it seems like the more versatile. Like a deck of cards. It's pretty simple. And look what you can do with that. I mean, my son has more fun with an empty box than anything else. <laughs> well, you know, the cardboard box is an inductee. 
how did you guys take until 2009 until get and 2009 to get that? I feel like that should have been well, right away. The Toy Hall of Fame itself is a fairly young institution, and we all know that there's a lot of classic toys, um, like mud, for example. It's not in yet, but it should be, because everybody plays in the mud. We also knew that we can only put two or three toys in a year, and if we only chose the old-fashioned toys that everybody grew up with every year, it would be pretty boring. What toy uh-huh. generated the most heated discussion before it got in? I'll tell you, there have been campaigns where fans of a certain toy have um, done like um, um, blasted nominations for certain toys. Any like near fights or anything like that? Ah, uh, no, no. But um, once we know what's getting in, which is like the day of. Um, we're all sworn to secrecy because the press shows up here really early and it's, uh, you know, it's a fun, fun story. So everybody wants to know what, what's getting in. In your opinion, and this is just your opinion, least, uh-huh. least deserving toy in the Hall of Fame currently. I, and it's a game too. Um, and I think it's only because it's not as popular as it used to be. And that's Jack's. Yeah. It just came up. Just came up the other day, and it's like, yeah, you know, except that people don't really play it, no. No, I think that that's the thing that everybody knows what it is, but nobody has actually really ever done it. What is your personal favorite toy that's in that Hall of Fame? Well, actually, let me me do this really quick. So the toys, you just announced the ones for 2018, right? Or just announced in the geological time span sense. Yes. Yes. What were those for 2018 were what? Oh, I'm sorry. The Magic 8-Ball, which is which does hold the record as being um, um, nominated uh, seven times. And it finally got in. Um, the next was Pinball. Oh, that's a good and, one. Yep. And the third was the card game Uno. Uh, yeah, that's... Oh, you got, I think this class yep. is a strong class. Yeah. Very strong, yeah. I felt really good about all of those. Your early favorites for next year? Oh, boy. Well, I'll tell you what had a strong following this year. <clears throat> Excuse me. They had a kind of a campaign a little bit was uh, Tudor Electric Football. There are a lot of adults now who still play that game. It has a whole fan base. I do. I think I remember that one. That's where, like... Right, with the the vibrating uh, uh, playing field. One more early favorite. It's got, in my case, it's got to be a game because um, games are sort of my specialty. Clue got in recently. Checkers and Chess are in. Monopoly's in. Candyland. Scrabble. Risk is not in there. Risk. There you go. That's going to be one of my... That's, that's what, it has been nominated. In fact, it was one of the 12 finalists just this year, I believe. Yeah. Um, okay. We have some listener suggestions. And so basically what right. I want to try to do is I'm going to give you the name of this toy or this game and just give me your opinion on if this is worthy of getting in. Okay. <laughs> hungry, hungry hippos. Um, worthy, yes. Sounds like you think it won't get in, though. Uh, really? You can tell from my voice? I'm just assuming there's, there was a slight bit of hesitation there, and I was like, it's worthy, but probably not going to do it. Is, am I correct in that? Uh, yes, you probably are. Connect four. Yes, worthy. The boomerang. Ooh, interesting. Traditional folk toy. Uh, yes. Have you ever actually played with, like, a real boomerang? I think once when I was uh, probably about 10 or 12. My sister brought one home from an internship in Australia or New Zealand, and those things wow. are terrifying. Yeah, they are. Cause, yeah. They are. you re- you got to know what you're doing, I guess. You don't really, like, yeah, it comes back. And it comes uh-huh. back, doesn't it? <laughs> I feel like magnets are not on there. Well, hmm. I think you'd be hard-pressed 
to de- to define that as just a toy. That's true. Because you know, it does so many other things. And one that I noticed that doesn't seem to be on there that, that was big for my childhood, any kind of Nerf toy. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, they have been dominated uh, many times. Uh, is it? And it might... No, go ahead. Is, 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 is it because maybe there's there's Nerf is there's not one general one that stands out? It's just all that might be it. Yeah, because they did the Nerf ball and then Nerf football, you know, and then it's hard to to sort of pin one down. Is there any of them that you think any particular one that you're like, wow, this toy, this toy needs to be? Do you have a crusade to get this toy or this game in? Well. I felt pretty strongly about one that was another folk game that was just just showed up, I believe, this past year, and that was Tic Tac Toe, and it didn't get in. But we had uh, during the induction um, a coalition of people who uh, just showed up who were supporters of Tic Tac Toe. One of them even had a Tic Tac Toe costume. So. Um, that's one of those folk games that probably deserves to get in at some point. I do kind of feel like tic-tac-toe should be in there. That's right, pretty big. Right, There's Roman, you know, it's been scratched into rocks in Roman monuments, and they know that it was done during Roman times. Oh, that's... Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yep. Is there any kind of toy, you know, from a historical perspective, is there any kind of toy that used to necessarily exist that doesn't anymore? You may have heard of, like, uh, cap guns, caps. Oh, yeah, 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 cap, yeah. Caps were little dots of gunpowder between two layers of paper. And if you hit them with a hammer or a stone, they would pop. And uh, they don't exist anymore. Yeah, they kind of got there's rid of that, didn't they? Yeah, there's a lot of toys like that, too. Some toys were made illegal, too, because they were just unsafe. Do you remember off the top of your head which ones were those? Well, there was lawn darts. Um, the brand name was Jarts, and people were injured because they were sharp. Um, I do remember those. Teams. Now that you talk about it, yes, yes. And then there were those things. I think they were called clackers—really hard plastic balls on strings that you would hit together, and but they could shatter. Um, and uh, the pieces were really sharp and dangerous. So, and then there've been playsets that were just so politically, and maybe not even by design, uh, just silly or uh, stupid or you know racist, with, without meaning to me that they uh, uh, never took off either. Yeah, that they kind of got rid of those. What is that thing called? Yeah. All right, here's maybe the hardest question of all: your top okay. five. Best toys and games. All right, that are not in. That can is be. That what you're saying? Um, overall, they can be in or they can not be in, and make it even harder if you can go five to one. Well, I'm going to name toys that were uh, play changers or had a big influence. One of those is Risk. You mentioned before because Risk was the first game that it influenced so many of the Euro games right down to games like Settlers of Catan that came after it. The uh, Atari 2600, for the same reason, it changed the nature of play. All right, I'm going to say chess. Yeah, that's pretty, that's got to be... It's one of the most ancient games. It's unchanged. It's kind of, many people consider it the perfect strategy game. It's kind of the ultimate board game, isn't it? Right. Yeah, totally. So many other games, you know, grew off of that and were based off that. It's tough. This is a podcast that doesn't mess around. All right. I'm going to say poker for a lot of reasons. Oh, man. The number one, the best overall toy. name a doll but i think i have to yep sorry about that (laughs) you don't want to how come you don't you just don't like the idea of it or you just 
I kind of don't want to agree with you, but I I can see where you're coming from. Like everybody, yeah. boys, girls, all ages. Another one of those ancient toys, you know. I want to thank Nick Rickett so much for joining us. If you get a chance, head over to the Strong Museum. They're in the process of expanding, and they're going to be adding a lot of really cool stuff. If you want to learn more about them, we've linked to them on our social media accounts. We're Profoundly Pointless on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. They're a pretty good social media follow as well because as I was looking through their different accounts, it's kind of like going back in time a little bit and remembering all of the things that you used to play with, and then the memories of that come back. Stuff that you don't necessarily just automatically remember it. It has to be almost triggered in a way. So, I want to give you the entire Toy Hall of Fame really quick. If you're not really that interested in this, skip forward about a minute. Here they are. Alphabet Blocks, Atari 2600, Baby Doll, Ball, Barbie, Bicycle, Big Wheel, Blanket, Bubbles, Candyland, The Cardboard Box, Checkers, Chess, Clue, Crayola Crayons, Dollhouse, Dominoes, Dunkin' Yo-Yo, Dungeons & Dragons, Easy Bake Oven, Erector Set, Etch-A-Sketch, Fisher-Price Little People, Frisbee, G.I. Joe, The Game of Life, Hot Wheels, Hula Hoop, Jack in the Box, Jacks, Jigsaw Puzzle, Jump Rope, The Kite, Lego, Lincoln Logs, Lionel Trains, Little Green Men, Magic 8-Ball, Marbles, Monopoly, Mr. Potato Head, The Nintendo Game Boy, The Paper Airplane, Pinball, Play-Doh, Playing Cards, Puppet, Radio Flyer Wagon, Raggedy Ann and Andy, Rocking Horse, Roller Skates, Rubber Duck, Rubik's Cube, Scrabble, Silly Putty, Skateboard, Slinky, Star Wars Action Figures, Stick, Soper Soaker, Swing, Teddy Bear, Tinker Toy, Tonka Trucks, Twister, Uno, Viewmaster, and the Wiffle Ball. Remember some of those. Because John Shaw and I are now going to be talking about our top five favorite toys. The ones that we think are the best. And... Even though I have known this man for almost almost a decade now, John's list of his top 10 or top 5 favorite toys has shaken me to my core. I do not know him. Let's give him a call. Hello, Nicholas. That's all you got? No, no, hold on, hold on. I, I, could, I couldn't hear you. I actually... I have a surprise for you. I hired some singers, and they're going to sing you a song. Hold on. i got, I got to bring them into the room. Hold on. Hold on. Okay, you ready? Yes. We wish everybody but Nick a Merry Christmas. We wish That's not some singers. It's Christmas. just you. We wish everybody but Nick a Merry Christmas. I mean. Bravo. Great job. Okay, you can get out now. How's it going? You realize everybody knows that was just you. You didn't even attempt to disguise your voice in any way. It sounded exactly like you. No, no, no. That was, to be honest, it was my next door neighbor. What was it? sounds like me, I know. What's, what's his name? Uh, uh, Brad. How long has he lived there? Two years. Two years. Where's he, did he, where did he move from? Listen, I don't have to explain myself to you. You should be happy that you know on the last podcast you said you know I, i'm giving up on john every time i call him you know i know that there's going to be nothing there so i decided to spice it up this week and hire a professional singer brad is a professional singer he's also your next door neighbor how long has he lived there again uh two years two years and yep. but where did he yep. move from i mean you just have this guy in your house and you don't know anything about him no i mean you know, he's, he's my neighbor he was a part of uh the, uh, the pretty popular uh, British... He doesn't sound British. ...duo group. Ah, uh, he is. Yeah, he's... You know, as his motto is, he's whatever you need him to be. So, See, uh, good guy. Good guy. Here's my problem with what you just did. It's... I, I love the effort. I appreciate the effort. I like that you're trying to go outside of the box. But the one thing that you needed to do to make it believable was to disguise your voice a little bit, and you didn't do that. I have, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. I, I wish that I could take credit for that fantastic singing performance, but I, it just would be blasphemy if I did that. So, Did you not think, I mean, because clearly you planned this out. Did you not think like, oh, maybe I should maybe I should try to disguise my voice? I, I, I Once again, you're, you're like, I mean, you're, I, I just feel, to be honest, I feel like you're not very uh, thankful for, for what I just did. I mean, it took, 
12 minutes of preparation time for me to go talk to him to have him come up with this. See, but this has always been my issue with the things that we do on this podcast is that you go 90% and then the last 10%, that last little bit of effort that you needed to do, which is disguise your voice, you didn't do it. Uh, once again, I, I don't understand. You know, you you can say it was me all you want, but you're not on the side of the telephone. So, Do you know that a wombat lives for on average 34 years? Oh, wow. <laughs> All right, well, before you start talking about wombat facts, I need to actually know what a wombat is. Is that like a the bat, like a wild bat thing? No, it's kind of like an Australian big rat prairie dog looking thing. It's only in okay. Australia, basically. Well, it's, I mean, it has a badass name, that's for sure. Yeah, it's pretty much the way. At reason I chose the wombat for this episode. <laughs> uh, I have a question. Like a wombat, you're little and squirrely. I have a question for you. Okay. Which of these, what do you know more? Do you know more people that are good at something, like really good at something? Or do you know more people that are basically mediocre or less at everything? Mm, that's, a, that's a very, I'm going to say I know more people that are good at something than are mediocre or below average for other things. I'm not talking about kind of good. I'm not talking about like you played small division one sports. I'm talking about like big D one school pro good at something. Well, I mean, I guess if you're talking, so you're talking about like, if I know somebody that's uh, a musician, like for them to be considered good at something in your eyes, they would need to be like a Mariah Carey or like an ACDC. No, not that high. I would say they'd have to be like a, Maybe a twenty-one pilots. Okay, I mean that's fair. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I think that if if you're framing it with those parameter parameters, then of course, you know, you know, I know more people that are disappointing than I've ever done anything like that with their lives. But I'm not talking about like just stand out kind of talent. I mean, any kind of a talent like knitting. Somebody who's a B plus or better at knitting or board games or whatever. Or people who are basically D's at everything. <laughs> For some horrible, uh, horrible thing to pick out, because I'm sure there's maybe no one under the age of 40 that knits anymore. No, uh, that's, I mean, as a hipster, you should know that, that knitting is big now. But by the way, I, I, I think that you owe me a public apology for what you said during the last podcast about my, my ability and my wants to update my page on the website. I noticed that you did update the website. Would you want to hear what my honest thoughts of it are? No, I don't want to hear your honest thoughts. I just want you to say, man, he did it before, you know, I forget what you said on the, on the last episode, something about, I, you know, it's going to be like two or three weeks and then it's going to be surprisingly right. good or something. I do remember saying that you wouldn't do it for a really long time. I was, I will admit this, I was surprised that you got it done as quickly as you got it done. Thank you. I'll take the compliment. I mean, I hired a singer to come sing to you in the beginning of the show, and that wasn't good enough. So now I'm literally throwing throwing myself at you for compliments, for God's sakes. What was that singer's name, by the way? Uh, Brad. Brad. Sure it's not Brian? Uh, no, uh, nope, I'm not, I'm pretty sure it's Brad. It could be Brian. I, he has a bunch of nicknames, so I, you know, I, he can go by many things. Anyways, moving on here, moving on. I'm excited for this episode because we get to talk not only my Fast Five, which has something in it I think you're going to really appreciate, but then our, fa our top five, or top ten rather, it's top Game five, class. by the way. I noticed that you put it on Facebook that we have a top ten. We've never had a top ten. It's the top five. Okay, well, let's go ahead and get to it. Let's get to your top five, or the, or the fast five. Sorry. <laughs> All right, well, the fast five. Let's start out with something that you referred to last week. That was your animal of the week, which was the marmot. No, it was not. It was a woodchuck. Well, whatever. Did you know a woodchuck is in the marmot family? So technically, it's a marmot. 
Uh, anyways, before I was so rudely cut off, man, you, you're you're in an angry mood today. You know, I would get you a singer. I update the website. Nothing's just good enough for you right now. I just feel uh, like you like look. We can't just allow you to run free. You've got to be. You have to be checked because no, otherwise, there's free. just a I'm plethora a of turkey. You there's a let me plethora run. of. I'm a I'm a turkey. You gotta let me run the farm before I before I you know get caught and get my head chopped off and get eaten. You gotta let me live free or die hard like Bruce Willis did. What animal do you think runs the farm? Because I don't think it's the turkey. Ah, uh, that's a good question. I would. Uh, I mean, I I, I want to say a horse. That's what I was gonna say too. I would say the horse probably runs the farm. Because horses are pretty badass animals in general. Maybe maybe if it was like one of those really smart dogs, like an Australian Shepherd or a Border Collie, I could see that animal running the farm. If you could have any other dog than the dog you have now, would it be a farm dog? Well, I mean, a farm dog is not a breed of dog. Well, would you have a, a breed of dog that was specific to living on a farm? Like, would you have fucking Lassie? I don't know which kind of dog Lassie was. I don't know either. I was hoping you'd bail us out on that one. Why do I ask you questions? <laughs> I, I have no idea. I'm I'm just gonna keep on living, like Don McLean said. You know what I mean? I'm not sure who Don McLean is. Jesus Christ! You've never heard of the song American Pie? I thought he wait no that's the song about people dying. He's not the one who died. Obviously, he's not yeah. the one who died, because how could he write the song after he died? <laughs> well, I would say that Don McLean, When the Music Died, might be the best long song that's out there. Oh, that's, that's a tough one. I think it's, I think it's a good one. I, I, I wouldn't say it's... It's not my personal favorite, but I would say it's probably top ten best long song ever. Which one are you going to go with, then? <sighs> Probably going to be a, a mixture of Hotel California by the Eagles. Is that that and, long? And uh, November Rain. Oh, I was going to say November Rain. That's that's pretty high up there. I mean, that's a long song. Inagata Devita is is way up there too. Yeah, that's a good one. There's also a couple of Clapton songs that go for a long time, which are really good. Did you say what your first Fast Five was? John's Fast Five. Pew, 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 pew. John's Fast Five. Pew, 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 pew. John's Fast Five. My turn! My turn! <laughs> In a second. Wait. This isn't going to work while he's out awake. You know that, right? Uh, no, no, nope. Uh, all right, getting back. You know, I think a here. pig. I think so a pig. Mar- a pig could also be in contention for running the the farm. What? <laughs> no way. I, I don't think any animal that's on a farm that is there for slaughter purposes, slaughtering purposes, are is uh, can run the farm. Yeah, but pigs, I think, are very, very close to like humans. Whenever they want to test something and see if a surgery or a drug or something like that is going to work on humans, they test it on a pig first because their their systems are very, very alike to ours. You realize we just lost every animal lover and pro-pita listener we've ever had, right? Yeah, but we'll get them back with later wombat facts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we will. Um, all right, anyways, uh, so regarding the marmot, I was doing some further research on it, and I found a couple of interesting facts regarding the marmot. One, uh, the largest marmot, or, or breed of marmot, is called the Olympic marmot, which is bigger than a house cat, can weigh up to 25 pounds, and can be up to two feet tall. That's a big-ass rat. Also, the Olympic marmot is the official mammal of Washington, and they hibernate. And during hibernation, they are the only animal that loses more than half of their body mass. Good, good to know. Was that is that was that three of the fast five, or was that just no, one that of them? Number one. That's number one. I mean, I, if if I was going to make a stink about it, it's like we already covered the marmot. I don't know why you're bringing it back up again. But go on. 
I mean, I did some research. I literally did three and a half minutes of research on this. How do you go about doing research? Because if it doesn't involve you with a microscope somewhere in the room, I'm going to be disappointed. Well, I don't own a microscope. Yeah, you I do. Can, I, I I can use a magnifying glass if that'll, that counts. I feel like you probably have a magnifying glass or carried one around as a kid. Uh, no, no, I never did, actually. You never had a magnifying glass. No, I mean, I, I had one, but I never carried it around with me. You seem like the kind of kid, though, that would get something like a little pocket knife or a watch or something like that, and then for the rest of the week, you would have it with you at all times until you lost it or broke it. <laughs> I mean, I was, you're, I mean, you're not wrong. I was a pretty self-possessing kid in terms of if I got something, you know, I mean, you know, I didn't get a lot of things. So when I got stuff, yeah, of course I wanted to keep it close to the vest. What I mean, what kid doesn't do that? No, I, I just, some... I just feel like if I was your dad, like I would buy you a compass, and then you would try to navigate everywhere you got went until I got annoyed and just took it away from you. <laughs> there were many a days where my where I, <laughs> for instance, I came home one time and my turtle was gone. And my dad said it had found its way into the toilet, and it was dad flushed itself. That's a very, uh, that's a pretty, <laughs> pretty adaptable tortoise tortoise you had. Yeah, well, I never saw it again, and uh, apparently later on in life, I was told that it had to be done because my parents were getting tired of me carrying it and taking it around everywhere with me, including eating dinner with it and other things. So, yeah. So. I could see that. I could see the you. You may have been the type of child that immediately made their parents regret their decisions. Uh, yeah, 100%. Uh, but I almost, and as a father myself, I mean, don't, don't you wake up every day, you know, and as a father, you know, like you are, don't you wake up most days and you go, what have I really done with my life? Oh, yeah, but I think a <laughs> lot, I think basically... I think a lot of people do that. What's what's your next Fast Five? So uh, Wednesday, December 12th, which is the same day that this episode will air, is National Dingling Day. <laughs> so if I had... <laughs> if, this if is your best you, Fast Five yet. If I had to ask you what National Dingling Day is, what would you say it is? And you will be completely wrong, but I want to hear your guess. All I remember is the Simpsons episode in which there's a talent show and one kid stands up there and is like, my ding-a-ling, my ding-a-ling, <laughs> and then Seymour Skinner comes and pulls him off. The, the ding-a-ling is a real thing. It's not, it's not uh, the male genitalia. I don't know what it actually is, though. And just a little history on it real fast. Uh, 1972, Frankie Heil created the day after placing an ad in a uh, ch- the Chase's calendar of events, whatever the hell that is, with his P.O. box number in Illinois stating that for $1, you could join the Dingaling Club. The club, which had over 850 original members, uh, its purpose was to call friends and relatives that they had not heard from in a while every year on December 12th. So, National uh, Dingaling Day has nothing to do with dingalings, but instead it's supposed to be uh, a day where you call someone you haven't heard from in a long time. I can't really think of a funnier word than dingaling. <laughs> I mean, I, when I was thinking of things to put on this list and I came across that, I was like, I have no idea how I'm going to bring it up, but it's it's dingaling. Like, like you said earlier, my dingaling, my dingaling. <laughs> Like, whoever came up with the with the phrase or or term dingaling should get like a high five and, and a bucket of beer. Yeah, I mean it's 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 pretty high up there. Do you know that a that a wombat has a very slow metabolism, often taking between eight to fourteen days to digest their food. Wow! So what do they only eat like every eight to fourteen days? No, I mean it just takes them a long time. No, I think that they probably just have very long intestines, I would assume. <laughs> they can just, that shit just moves at like a five-mile-an-hour pace, just 
but it'll get there. Don't worry. Five miles an hour would actually be very fast for digestive purposes. <laughs> All right, you ready for another one? Yeah, sure. So December 15th is National Cat Herders Day. I have no idea what the hell National Cat Herders Day is. Well, it's pretty self-explanatory. Okay, what's what's number four? So the dumbass award goes to, well, some people might, might think this is stupid like I do. I have a feeling people like you are going to say this is badass. But there's a Chinese kung fu teacher. His name is Ren Ruzi. I like it already. He's trying to be the first person in history to create a new sport called kung fu bullfighting. Instead of uh, instead of using any kind of apparatus or 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 cape or anything like that, this guy stands in front of a four thousand pound bull in his kung fu gear and tries to wrestle it to the ground. I would have to say that's pretty badass. I would pay at least a dollar or two to watch that once, but I would also say that in any sport. That puts humans against animals. I root for the animal. I I, I would agree with that. Um, when asked by a local newspaper, Chinese Chinese newspaper, uh, where he gets his power to take down the bull, which by the way, uh, he hasn't taken down a bull yet. Shocker! It is several attempts that he's tried. Um, he says he uses explosive power. In a flash, I go pow. And then I concentrate all of my power on the bull's head, and I try to rustle it to the ground. I get tired, and I step away, but then I come back ready to fight again. I, I, I feel like I don't care how good you are at kung fu or boxing or any kind of martial art. If you hit a bull as hard as you can, I don't think that means shit to that bull. Uh, there, there have been, like dash cam videos of semi trucks hitting bulls going like 50 miles an hour and yeah it knocks the bull down but the bull will get up in some cases i've seen and walk away like that is one badass animal no i mean which makes it even more ridiculous that you would think that you could outrun a bison which is even bigger and stronger first off so the bison thing got I don't want to go back on this. You don't want to go back on it because everybody knows that you're wrong. You're getting me hot. I'm getting hot. Hey, right, get me a cloth. I'm getting hot. I'm sweating. Sweating. Are you Are you actually sweating right now? No, I'm not sweating. Be it's, honest. It's fucking 23 degrees outside. Are you sweating? No. Actually, I'm Check your pits. Layers right now. Check your pits right now. Check your pits <laughs> and see if they're damp. Let me see. I mean, they're moderately damp. <laughs> I wouldn't say they're damp, but they're moderately damp. How many layers do you have on? And then I will make a ruling if that is an acceptable reason for sweating right now. I have two t-shirts and a sweater on. And I have, like, Under Armour leggings, you know, like the, the cold gear, and then pajama pants. Do you not have a fucking heater in your house? Yeah, we have a heater, but... What's I mean, it set you know, at? I mean, uh, 68. You, that is way, way, way too much clothing for 68. That's ridiculous. You have on two pairs of pants and essentially three shirts. Well, I mean, I mean I'll mean, i gladly trade you for a day. I mean, come live in 20-degree weather for— You're for not living in 20-degree weather. It's 68 inside your house. Well, that's— but it all has to deal with the outside temperature. But is it 68 degrees in your house right now? Yes. So then why do you – if it was 68 degrees outside, you wouldn't have on two pairs of pants and three shirts. But it doesn't – but some rooms are colder than others. They're some not that cold. It's not like one room is 68 and the next room is the fucking Antarctic. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not having – I'm not getting into an argument with somebody who lives in Arizona about cold weather. How many what's, – what's your sock situation? I mean I, I have one pair of like winter socks on, like wool socks. Do they have the things on the bottom of the feet that make it sticky? <laughs> I really fucking knew you were going to ask me that. Yes, they do. 
are they your special house socks or are they just regular ones that you can wear on a daily basis? <laughs> I, I knew you were going to ask me about my socks. They are just day-to-day winter in the house socks. So they're special socks. They're special house socks. I mean, I, I wear them when it gets cold outside, yes, but I wouldn't say they're special. See, but that to me, the whole point of having those kind of big, thick socks is that so you can get a little bit of a running head start and slide a little bit into the kitchen. That eliminates that. Yeah, of course it does. But, I mean, I don't really run and slide into the kitchen anyways, and they keep my fucking toes warm, so I don't really care about that. At your age right now, if you went, let's say, 50% speed slide into the kitchen, what are the chances that you fall down? Oh man, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go fifty. I'm gonna go fifty fifty on that one. Yeah, I would say fifty fifty too. I mean, I got, I got I'm, you know I got a lot of mass on the top, so my gravity is a little off balance right now. Um, what else do you have for the fast five? Is that it? I got one more, which is more of a serious one, uh, but I thought it was was very interesting. Uh, that was when this episode comes out on the twelfth. Uh, back in December of 2000, uh, uh, December 12th of 2000, it was the day that the U.S. Supreme Court said the election recount between Bush and Gore is over, declaring uh, President Bush uh, the winner of the election. And obviously, he took office that uh, that January. But I brought I brought this up for two reasons. One, because George H.W. just passed. R.I.P. He was a, he was a good guy, and two, I can't believe. Like I remember where I was when this happened, and it's already been eighteen years. It's insane. Let's not think like, about it. Just insane, man. Just insane. But the time thing is what really got me. It's eighteen years ago already. Holy shit! Do you know that a wombat's poop comes out in basically a perfect cube, and they will poop out about eight of these cubes a night which is used for mating and marking territory purposes. So when you mean like a perfect cube, you mean like a like a like a like a cube, like a solid cube it comes out in. Yeah, like a bullion cube basically. Don't act like you know what a bullion cube is. I have seen one before. I believe I once ate one just to see what it tasted like and it was terrible. Don't Yeah, but don't act like you and you know bullion cubes are like best friends. It's bullion Exactly, I, I love the Russians. They're great people, but don't don't act like bullion is yeah you know, like you're friends with it. Is bullion Russian? Uh, probably not. It just it just flowed. It went with it. Just go with it. Apparently, according to some smart jackass on the internet, it is clearly French. Yes. You said it was Russian. Um, are you ready to get into our top five? Let's do it. I'm oh. excited for this one. Okay, so the top five is in honor of our guest who is the curator of the Toy Hall of Fame. And we're going to be discussing the top five toys and games of all time. Oh, my God. They're going to be so disappointed in my list. Yeah. Yeah, they will be. be What's number five on your list? Number five, five I have, uh, it's a combination of Super Soaker, the Super Soaker, and Nerf Toys. Those are, that's actually pretty legit. I think, yeah, I think the Super Soaker is actually in the Hall of Fame. Nerf toys are not. I mean, if I had to pick one, I would pick the Super Soaker because I'm sure, like me, like everybody else, it's kind of like a uh, a satisfaction you get of just spraying the shit out of somebody that does not want anything to do with being sprayed. If you had a one-shot policy, though, what's going to be more satisfying, one shot with the super soaker or a one-hit with the water balloon? Mm, that's a toughie. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with a super soaker because yeah. I, feel like I, would have, I feel like I would have more aim and control over a super soaker stream. Yeah, I agree with that. I've also seen you throw. It's not good. <laughs> what do you have for number five? Chess. Oh God! Why? Why? I mean, it's a fine game and all, but can you pick anything more boring? No, I don't actually play chess. 
or really like it. But I think that if you're going to go the top five games and toys of all time, chess, you got to put it on there. My list is more, if you're going to break it, my list is more of an, an academic, an intellectual, an educated list. I think that yours is oh. going to be more of like a Slim Jim list. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I told you I was going to be going with my personal favorites. Because I thought that's what we were doing. No, I told you through text message several times that that's not what we were doing. But my top five, I, I mean, I, I mean, I think it could be top five anyways. I mean, I didn't include chess or checkers or Parcheesi or Monopoly, but I, I got I got some surprises in here. All right. I mean, so far I agree with your list. I think that Super Soaker you can make an argument for. What's your number four? I have GI Joes. Yeah, that's pretty legit. I'm actually, I'm actually, I kind of agree with your list a little bit. Well, I don't agree with you, but I would agree with someone else if they had your list. But and I guess I got to give a shout out to my wife real fast because she she said if I was going to do GI Joe's and I had to say GI Joe slash Barbie. What's going to be your number one GI Joe though? Who's your, who's your best? Oh man, that's a toughie. I was always a Snake fan. Yeah, me too. And to be Wait. honest, I'm not even entirely sure I can name a whole lot of other G.I. Joe characters right now. Cobra. Yeah, Cobra was the main bad guy. Who was the ninja? Was that Snake? Uh, no, Snake was like the assassin. No, wasn't he the ninja? Wasn't Snake Hold and on. assassin? And then he Hold had, on. there was Standing the... by here. There was the white... This is my turn. This is my turn to fuck everything up. Sergeant Slaughter. Was he one of the? Was he a GI Joe or was he a wrestler? He was a wrestler. Holy shit, man! GI Joes go for crazy money on the internet. Oh yeah, people are into those classic collectible toys, man. Uh, so Snake Eyes. That's who it is. Yes. It's Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is so, it? anyways, I got, I got, uh, I got them at number four. I grew up with them. I had a bunch of them growing up. My number four is Monopoly. God, you are just staying on the board game track. I don't think you can go wrong with Monopoly. I mean, there's at least 40,000 versions of it at this point. Which one are you going for? Which is the which properties are that ones? Which ones do you want? Like, I got to get those. You know, this is going to be real embarrassing. I think I've played Monopoly three times in my entire life. Couldn't even really tell you. <laughs> What's your number three? <laughs> uh, my number three, and this is the one I was excited about to bring up to you, because uh, I can't wait. I'm gonna for hang up the phone if you say what do you think. I'm gonna hang up. <laughs> I, w- I think you're. I will. Then you'll probably hang up. Uh, so my number three, it's a combo. Uh, it's. WWF action figures okay, and Pokemon toys. I knew Pokemon was going to be on there. And I don't even think that you necessarily believe that Pokemon is that good. You just put it on there out of spite. I mean, I, I just think you underestimate like how, how big that franchise actually was and is and how kids react to that, the, the toys. But they're not necessarily known for their toys. They're known for their games. But, I mean, aren't... But games can be toys. I mean, their trading card game is called trading card game, right? I mean, the game is a toy. My number three is the block. It's just blocks. Lego blocks, little Lincoln logs, all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, those are... Those, I mean, those are classic. It's hard to argue against any of that stuff. I mean, what was the coolest thing you ever put together? I'm not going to lie to you. My son has a really great set of these styrofoam blocks that come in like 15 different shapes, and they've got five or six different colors, and I've been playing with them even after he goes to bed, and all he wants to do is smash my towers, and I've, <laughs> I can't play with him anymore. I get way too upset. And I've built some pretty fucking sweet towers. You you need to take a video of this, of your son just bulldozing the shit out of whatever you do and post it 
somewhere where we all can see it. No, I can't play with him anymore because I literally told my wife, I can't be with him. I get so upset when he smashes my towers. <laughs> yes or no, have you swore at your son because he knocked down your tower? No, but I have spent probably four to five minutes preventing him from smashing one of my towers because I was trying to get a picture of it, which I was not able to do because he's a crafty bastard. <laughs> Just like his dad, huh? Already. Already causing mayhem. That's the problem, too, is I know that he inherited that from me in the sense that he just wants to be a shit. Like, he's just going to smash the tower because he knows that I don't want him to smash the tower, and he thinks it's hilarious. <laughs> so, the feelings that you feel, feel, especially in that moment with your son, is literally how everyone feels about you in everyday life. Just remember that. Yeah, that's not good. Um, <laughs> what's your number two? My number two, uh, my only board game, uh, Risk. That's that's pretty solid. I mean, I don't know how you can say that you've played Risk more than you've played Monopoly. That's ridiculous. Because Risk was like a like a war, t- right? It was like a war game, and it it would last hours and hours, and it was just before you know it, you're you know you're either wasted, and someone's flipped the board over, or you always had those people that take it so seriously that. Once, like, hour eight came, you're like, listen, I'm out. I got other shit to do. And they're like, no, no, we got to finish the game, man. we got to finish the game. I've never so. played it. My number two is the stick. What the fuck is the stick? It's a stick. Like a fucking stick. Like a regular stick. Oh, my God. That is the dumbest. That's dumb. It's not even, like, a toy. No, but you got to think about it, man. Like, how much fun did you have with a stick? A stick is basically like you could pretend it was a sword. You could use it to pole vault if it was a big enough stick. You could swing that thing around and pretend to be Donatello. The stick is really multi-purpose. I don't disagree with you, but I also... um, (laughs) You said that this was like an academic list. Yeah, and I was... nowhere on an academic list. No, the stick is in the Hall of Fame. Um, and nowhere, and in like an hour or two, you're going to think, oh, man, now the stick is pretty sweet. Wait a minute. Are you serious? The stick is in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Holy shit. I, I, I guess I'm going to have to brush up on my uh, Toy Hall of Fame skills here. Yeah, but I guess because you haven't experienced what it's like to watch a little kid play with stuff yet. Like the oh, stick no, is no, amazing. My... What's your number one? Uh, so I'm sure for much, much debate this will cause, uh, my number one is the yo-yo. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Does this mean what I think it means? That you, that you have been, as a little kid, you were the kid out there swinging around a fucking yo-yo trying to do tricks? All right. Well, th- this didn't th- this didn't go where I thought it was going to go. But uh, y- yes, I-, I was the kid. Um, yeah, I mean, I-, I had you. I had multiple yo-yos. I was that kid that would like, you know, during Christmas time they always have like that that that's a yo-yo shop that opens up like in the middle of the mall. Nope. They have like the crazy hard to get yo-yos. Nope. Well. I... <laughs> Fuck you for your for your non childhood. I guess I would always try to get a new yo yo like once every year, and I just I'd have to get new strings for them. Like it was badass, all the moves you could do. Can you can you make a video of you do? Can you do any yo yo tricks right now? No one has ever used the words yo yo and badass because I remember sitting through those like free school assemblies where somebody donated the money that's $6 to get a professional yo-yo player in. And I remember just sitting there thinking, what a tool that guy is. And now I know that that was your dream career. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I'm sure, yeah, I, I know I could, do still, I could still do tricks. It's not hard. I just, all my yo-yos are still at my parents' house, so I'd have to get them. But, yeah, I could do tricks. What do you mean I all could... your yo-yos? How many yo-yos do you have? Um, Please. I mean, give or take, probably. Please say two please. dozen. 
<laughs> oh god i was hoping you would say 10 and you went two dozen yo-yos i i mean i, I don't understand how it's i mean you you put a stick on there i mean what's that's that's okay but a yo-yo isn't no there's nothing wrong with the yo-yo let me be clear there's nothing wrong with the yo-yo there's nothing wrong with people who do yo-yo there's something wrong with you doing it because all I can imagine is you like, I'm going to walk the dog, and that thing comes up and hits you right in the face. <laughs> I mean, there was some blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, that is that is no joke. That's the yo-yo life, man. What's your number one, Mr. Classy? The ball. Oh, my God. Hey, I swear to God, if you say like any kind of ball, like a baseball, a basketball, a dodgeball. You can't argue with it, though. You can't argue that the ball is not the ultimate toy. But, I mean, that's so generic that, I mean... But you can do anything with it. That's the thing. You can throw it. You can catch it. You can hit people with it. You can bounce it. You can roll it. You can play basketball, football, dodgeball, baseball, tennis ball, soccer ball. It's everything. Just admit that you've been thoroughly defeated. I mean, I will never admit defeat to you, but I will say that... Your list is probably more reasonable, but very much more generic. Do you know that a wombat is actually a very strategic animal? And one of the things that they do when they get chased by predators, they go into their burrow. They have very strong hind legs, so they wait for the predator to stick their head in the burrow, and then they crush their skull with their back legs. You're totally ruining everything I thought about a wombat. No, this is fucking dedicated killers what a wombat is. <laughs> well, I guess I know the next time that I see a little hole in the ground, not to stick my hand in there because there could be a wombat in there. You don't drop your yo-yo in there because you ain't getting it back. That's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of the Profoundly Pointless Podcast. Before we go, though, I need to make a public and personal plea to everyone who has ever listened. Please demand that John Shull make a yo-yo trick video. We need this. The internet needs this. The world needs this. Please. If you want to go ahead and leave us a comment, we're on social media. We're Profoundly Pointless on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. ProfoundlyPointless.com. You can check out old episodes. You can leave us a comment. You could send John your demands for that yo-yo video. I want to thank Nicholas Ricketts from the Strong Museum of Play so much for coming on. I thought it was really cool talking to him about the Toy Hall of Fame, and we definitely want to have him back on when they get ready for the 2019 class. Coming up next episode, I'm not entirely sure. We're either going to be talking to a futurist or we're going to continue this Christmas theme by talking to a Satanist. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.